Warning. In the episode you're about to hear, the host states that they will be discussing the topic of procedures. However, this subject is never addressed. We hope the host's ineptitude does not spoil your enjoyment of the show. Thank you. He was slinging pawns at a B&B when he had an epiphany. And make a pawn in about time to about not playing the ND. It was free to all, and I heard him say, he bought my borderlands. But just sit back and let Spencer do his trick, cause you're incapable AMs. Hi, this is Spencer, a.k.a. Free Thrall, at Keep Off The Borderlands, the podcast about RPGs and stuff. Unfortunately, I can't get to the podcast right now, but if you'd like to leave a message after the beep, I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Beep! Hey, Spencer, it's Shay from Roleplay Rescue. Just want to let you know that, hey, I'm still listening. And thank you so much for your ostensibly OSR stuff recently. I don't know if it's the name of the episode, I can't remember. Uh, but you were just giving your reflections on OSR October, and I really appreciate it. I thought it was good and um, really enjoyed, it. in particular, the bit of definition stuff you read out, which I agree with you is probably a little bit heavy and wordy, but, you know, still very interesting stuff. Anyway, I hope you're well, and I uh, just great to hear your voice again. I really enjoy your stuff. I just wanted to sort of phone in. I think it's been many months, and just say, you know, still listening, and uh, really appreciate all you do. Game on, man. Thank you, Che. That was Che Webster there of Roleplay Rescue. And, well, Che left that message for me way back in November, along with the other couple of messages that I have to share with you in this episode. Firstly, apologies, Che, for taking so long in responding to this message. I really do appreciate hearing from you. I myself am an avid listener of Roleplay Rescue, and I have to say the last season in particular has been a real... um, There's a real sense that a lot of seemingly disparate things Che has been talking about over the seasons kind of coming together and coalescing and I urge people to listen to that if you don't feel you've got the time to listen to the entire back catalogue jumping in on the most recent season is a great way into the podcast and just understanding what it's all about it's been yeah really really enjoyable season now as I say that message is from way back in November I held back Jay's message. I didn't include it in the previous episode because I was going to tie it in with what I was intending to talk about in this episode, and that is procedures, procedures of play. And um, I realised Jay doesn't say anything about procedures in that message there, but what I was going to say kind of tied in with what he'd been talking about on Roleplay Rescue at the time. The particular episode I'm failing to recall right now, but I made uh, some brief notes here, which may or may not make sense. 
he was possibly talking about solo gaming because I wrote something about being aware of my own aversions to the framing of scenes and set pieces, structuring games in that way. Environments are there to be explored. They're not just scenery, a backdrop for the action taking place. You know, there's a world out there that player characters have ideas about. Now, I'm not sure that it makes any sense to anyone out of context. I make the point that I'm simply talking about personal preference here. I certainly see the benefits of framing play in terms of scenes and wanting to hit certain beats before moving on to another scene, you know, breaking things down in that manner. I I can see how that's beneficial. Personally, I I find there's an artificiality to that, which it's, I don't know. I think I'm looking for something a bit more free form, um, you know, that encourages the flow of play in a more open-ended manner. Thanks again, Che. Thanks for that message. No need to apologise for not being in touch, as I'm very much (laughs) at fault there myself, Um, not only in responding to this message, but in, in contacting you too. As I say, I've really enjoyed the last season, season 11 of Roleplay Rescue. And thank you. Thank you very much for putting that together. Really, really great stuff. So a little time has passed since recording that last section and I'm not sure if you can tell, but I now have a stinking cold. However, I also have an empty house, which means that despite not being in the best condition to be recording a podcast, the environment is such that I might actually be able to put something out because it's been far too long. What, three months, is it? As unscheduled breaks go, uh, yeah. Apologies for leaving you hanging. Since recording that previous segment, Che Webster has released a new season of Roleplay Rescue. And uh, what's interesting about the new season is that Che appears to be taking a slightly more personal approach, looking at his own experience of being a gamer Going back to the very first game, RuneQuest, which really caught his imagination. And I'm very much looking forward to where this new season, season 12, is going to be heading. Now, let's get on to the next message. Hey Spencer, just listening to your latest episode. Sorry I haven't, haven't called in on the previous one. I sometimes worry I call in too much. Horrified is the game I bought when it first came out. It is pretty simple. It, I, it, it would be good for you and the girls probably. Um, and it, it's fine. It's, I need to revisit it. I haven't really played it since I picked it up. And we, we played through it, my son and I, when it came out. And it was okay. But it's, it, it is pretty simple. Um, but, but, I mean, it, it's harmless enough by any means. I'll have to revisit it and see what I think now after a year or two maybe i i saw it the other day i was in the stack of my other kind of board games that kind of fall in that category mass market board games like the shining and jaws and uh, back to the future we, we had fun with back to the future one that, that one's pretty good I, I would recommend that for family style game 
Jason Connolly of Nerds RPG Variety Cast there. And thank you very much for that call, Jason. First off the bat, you do not need to be apologising for not calling in often enough, especially when I'm putting out episodes at the rate I'm putting them out right now. I always welcome a call from you, Jason, and you certainly help to motivate me to pick up the mic. I realise I'm saying that having not picked up the mic for three months, but, you know, life gets in the way. And, and not just your messages, but listening to Nerds RPG Variety Cast itself. The stuff you've been putting out recently, episodes two, maybe three times a week, I think. Um, each time I listen to you, it has me wanting to pick up the mic, even if life prevents me from doing so. But please keep sending me those calls and apologies for taking so long to getting around to respond to these ones here um yeah thanks for a very much <laughs> it's funny <laughs> i haven't got around to playing horrified yet although on one occasion we did set up the board go through the rules we took our first turn and then my youngest daughter woke up crying and well we ended up having to pack the game away so you know it is what it is young kids make life complicated Endlessly rewarding, but complicated. So, uh, yeah, that Back to the Future game sounds like it's worth checking out. I hope, I hope to pick that up at some point, but thanks for the recommendation. Let's get to your next message. I listened to the episode of The Good Friends Jackson Elias earlier today, this morning, the day I'm leaving you this message. And... Yeah, it, it's kind of a shame it's coming out the exact same time or right around the same time as that three or four episode. But they are different because they really stay on the, the video nasty and the psychology part of it, where we talked a lot more about different movies and folk horror and movie recommendations. So the, the episodes are different enough that they would make decent a double listen, you know, to listen to both of them. But they're not a double header, if you will. But but they don't really duplicate too much. I don't think, because we didn't spend too long on video nasties. I, I have to admit to you, honestly, I, I'm pretty desensitized to this stuff. Um, and for the most part, horror movies don't bother me. Obviously, jump scares make me jump and that kind of thing. I'm not a big fan of first person, you know, the found footage thing, just because I, I don't know. I, it just isn't my thing, per se. It works sometimes. Like, it works pretty good in Cannibal Holocaust, to be honest. Um but anyway, what I was going to say is the movies that do affect me, interestingly enough, are the sentimental, you know, drama kind of things where, you know, you're supposed to tear up and cry with the swelling of the music. And that tends to get me pretty often, more often than I like to admit, where the horror movies don't bug me a whole lot. So interesting thing. Uh, thanks, Jason. Well, that really hammers home how long it's been since I put out an episode the Good Friends of Jackson Elias episode that Jason is referring to is the Is Horror Dangerous episode, which came out about the same time that the um, Cerebravore episode came out, um, which I spoke about video nasties. And thank you for inviting me on that episode of Cerebravore, uh, episode 17, I believe it was. That was great fun being able to record with John and Hannah, from the Red Dice Diaries 
and also James Knight. You mentioned music there and how important that is in kind of pulling out your uh, emotions. Music for me is such a such a big part of well of, of cinema, I guess as a whole. I do quite um, enjoy listening to movie soundtracks when when I get the chance. Anyway, thank you. Thank you very much for that call, Jason. While I have not been podcasting myself, I was fortunate enough to appear on Cerebravore. I was also invited on to My Rules Are Better by Tom Barbelay. Tom has been exploring uh, the world of solo play, and I kind of happened to mention that I tried it, and he, he basically wanted to pick my brains about it, and it was a real pleasure to be able to just have a chat with Tom about that. And it's funny, I my initial thought was that I don't really know any more than the next person about solo play, to be honest. I have played a few solo sessions. More often than not, it doesn't really get off the ground or I'm interrupted, or, you know. But thinking about it, my whole introduction into RPGs was via solo play be it from the the text adventures like The Hobbit on the ZX Spectrum or, um, you know, my fighting fantasy books. For a long time, that was my only interaction with the hobby. Between the ages of about 12 and 14, all I knew was solo play. And even then, after finding a group playing Merp, there was a lot of activity around that that could qualify as solo play whether it's you know just creating characters thinking up scenarios you know I wasn't the GM in that group and I had no real aspirations to do that but I enjoyed coming up with ideas that uh, never got to the table therefore I guess that's solo play too but that's not really what I wanted to talk about in this episode, although it is tied to that, to be honest, yeah, thinking about it, what I want to talk about is procedures, procedures of play specifically. But before that, there are a couple of other things I want to address. Now, you may or may not remember, depending on when you listen to the previous episode, I put it out three months ago, but, uh, There's no telling when you listen to it, if you listen to it at all. I mentioned having my details on a reviewer's database over on Stout Stoke Press. Um, I'll put a link in the description if you're interested in putting your own details in there. Essentially, it allows independent creators to send you press packs, previews, sometimes entire games for you to review or promote at least. What I'm about to do here is uh, run through the projects that creators have contacted me about over the past three months. There are some things here that will appeal to me personally more than other projects. I will not be going into that. I just want to take this time to shine a light on each of those projects. And that is what you're about to hear next. And apologies to those creators who were hoping that I'd get the word out before the funding was over. I, you know, I dropped the ball there. Fortunately, those projects in question were successfully funded. So without further ado, let's get on with it. I usually have to sneak off to some corner of the house and record 
my podcast segments into my phone. But today, I'm sitting at a desk with a decent mic and headphones. This feels nice. I don't get to do this very often. So let's start with Wolves at the Lake by Quinn Blackwell. This is currently available through DriveThru. Now, Quinn sent me a complimentary download link to this title. Wolves at the Lake has been out for a few months and has made it to bestseller silver on DriveThru RPG. Now, this is a game born from the love of games like Dread and Ten Candles. This title is designed for one-shots and telling evocative stories of ill-fated adventures for three to six friends. It plays like a game of of tug-of-war that uses a handful of double-sided tokens. These tokens are visual representations of the ever-looming threat the players are facing. They flip these tokens to get perks, make moves, and try to survive. All the while, the storyteller can flip tokens back to entice the players to act selfishly or foolishly. As with all of these titles, I will be providing a link in the show notes. As I say, Wolves at the Lake is currently available on drive-thru. Next, we've got The Last Hand. This is a game designed by Eric Faber, successfully crowdfunded through Kickstarter on the 27th of February. This is a GM-less horror game. First major release from Eric Faber and Airborne Ham Games. It's a standalone, GM-less, no-prep RPG for two to six players intended for a single session of play taking on the role of struggling survivors. You must work together to escape an unknown horror that slowly reveals its true nature as it pursues you, while hedging your bets to be the one to make it out alive during the last hand. Emulating aspects of Texas Hold'em, you will take turns as the dealer leading scenes, deciding how the cards affect the story and adding details to the creature to realise what has been released upon the world. The game facilitates the combination of warranted distrust and obligatory cooperation that is a staple of the horror genre. You can survive but you must work together and there will likely be casualties. It is out there and it will stalk you relentlessly. Don't be the one that gets left to die. This is a zero prep game, a one-shot horror experience where you create troubled characters from questions and discover elements of the creature as you play. The horror is built in while you tell the story. Players share narrative control while the dealer chip changes hands each scene, passing responsibility for leading the scenes and establishing starting trouble around the table. It's also diceless play, a resolution mechanic that emulates Texas Hold'em using standard playing cards played on top of community cards that represent the obstacles to overcome, although there is an option to play the game using D6s. Builds and releases tension. Each turn, more cards are added that cannot be resolved, overwhelming players until the cards needed to overcome the obstacles are dealt, giving relief only to start the cycle again. 
inspired by play-to-lose TTRPGs like Ten Candles and The Zone, but survival is possible for some characters during their epilogue. Final fates are determined by the cards in your hand in the final scene, combined with community cards left unresolved to make the highest scoring poker hand. This is a horror game with a Wild West setting in and around Paradise, Colorado. Although there are more settings, an add-on PDF of additional settings with tables written by Eric and other collaborators. Well, my time at the desk was short-lived, but no matter, we must continue. This one is a very different kind of project. A Dungeons and Dragons hip-hop outfit from Atlanta, Georgia. Epic Levels successfully funded the Armour Classy CD System Agnostic Tabletop Role-Playing Game Adventure Module based on Epic Levels' debut album, Armour Classy. The book is packaged in a digipack case with a full album on CD. Now I've checked out a bit of their stuff and as you might imagine, they've got a great sense of humour. And um, these guys actually do a podcast called um, Mad Dungeon, which is something I've yet to check out, but I'm sure that will be an entertaining listen. Next up, we've got Contact, another very different sounding project. Jay Stroutman is a Toronto-based non-binary game designer, and this is their debut tabletop storytelling game, Contact, a game about communicating with aliens through song and tarot. This was crowdfunded in February for Zine Month 2023, and Jay sent me a very nice email asking if I could give the project a mention, writing, if you have some room in your content schedule to talk about Contact, before the campaign ends on February the 24th, I would be greatly appreciative. Apologies for missing the deadline there, Jay. Glad to see the project was successfully funded, receiving a very impressive 715% of the required funding. For two to six players, with a playtime of one to two hours, the rules are 24 pages, requires a deck of tarot cards, and something to play music on. Contact is a cosmic tabletop storytelling game that uses song and tarot to communicate with aliens. First, players make a playlist together with prompts from the Major Arcana. Once the playlist is complete, players draw prompts about their characters and the aliens and answer the questions using songs from the shuffled playlist. Themes vary from impending apocalypse to hopeful first contact to unavoidable tragedy. Based mostly on songs the group chooses, most prompts are celestially spooky, trying to determine why the aliens have contacted the group and what they want from the world. In the final act, the players respond using either existing songs or write a new song together. By the end of the game, the players are left with a story and a playlist to listen to any time with a new meaning. Next is the announcement of the tabletop RPG Fear Bundle. IKO from the Lost Bay Studio reached out to me regarding the Fear Bundle, a collection of tabletop RPG supplements released in February 
It features 11 contemporary horror pamphlets, zines and games. This is their third bundle since they opened in October 2022. And for 2023, they have at least four more bundles planned. Plus, they're scheming more cool and unexpected TTRPG stuff. Now, here's the blurb for the Fear Bundle. Prepare to be scared in a fun way. Love to feel the shiver running down your spine. Longing for a good spooky night. Need a bedtime horror story? We've got you covered. The Fear Bundle comes packed with contemporary horror adventures and gaming accessories for tabletop RPGs. What is the Fear Bundle? A collection of indie tabletop supplements from some of the most creative designers, both veterans and first-time authors. We're talking about 11 supplements packed in a beautiful black folder. The Bundle's modular structure allows you to build your own gaming experience and play for weeks with your group or solo. Surviving in a city ravaged by kaiju, run from your life in a zombie-infested world, fight your way out of corporate horror, overcome a suburban nightmare and many more horrific adventures. And it also includes a PDF of Liminal Horror, the contemporary cosmic horror game by Goblin's Archive which I'm a big fan of and I can't wait to mess around with that myself. So this bundle is basically a mix of system neutral and liminal horror supplements. Now, having said all that, I'm not entirely sure this one is still available, but as I understand it, you can pick up all these things independently. I'll include appropriate links wherever I can there. Next one's Subversion. Ava Rogers, the crowdfunding director of Rem Alternis Productions, reached out regarding this Kickstarter for Subversion, a cyberpunk fantasy TTRPG. This actually runs until the 23rd of March, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping this episode is out by then. In Subversion, you and your friends play as envoys, representatives of your communities taking direct action to serve and save the people around you. But there's a catch. Both your character and the community they are part of have values that are important to them, trying to subvert the oppressive world around you while also holding true to the values you and your community care about isn't an easy task. Some of the major features of Subversion are immersive characters with their own unique fantasy lineage, values, impulses, backgrounds and goals, a flexible D6 based dice pool system designed to allow multiple and creative solutions to almost every encounter, a player created community that acts as another character helping the PCs and needing their help, robust setting in a world once similar to ours but with wondrous creatures, magical abilities and Babylonian influences. Neo-Babylon is the ultimate mega-sprawl, serving as the world's economic and cultural capital. Varieties of balanced character and advancement options mean characters won't ever get too powerful for the setting, even as the characters get better and more unique. Next up, we've got Hellpiercer, a Kickstarter launched on March 9th, 
by Nem of Sandy Pug Games. It's a tactical TTRPG with a map game and strategy elements, mixing journaling mechanics, hidden information, unlockable mechanics, and a robust faction system into a narrative first experience unlike anything else. Humans have conquered the corrupt realm of heaven and have mantled their own divinity. Armed with hyper-advanced weapons, forbidden Gnostic ritual magic, and the might of their ascended states, humanity turns its eye towards the last prison in the multiverse, hell. Players will manage divine humanity's war effort against hell, deploying on missions to undermine hell's forces, root out strongholds, and use the plunder to develop new classes, weapons, and equipment. Our innovative progression model seeks to introduce whole new mechanics as players grow comfortable with the game, layering new tools and systems as and when they catch the player's eye. Similar mechanics allow GMs and facilitators to develop their forces, expand their reach across the physical map tiles representing each demon's realm, and generate dynamic narratives of the war in hell. Combat focuses on four pillars of interesting movement, overwhelming player expression, unique swarm mechanics, paired with incredible boss battles. Combat focuses on four pillars of interesting movement, unique swarm mechanics, paired with incredible boss battles. And uh, yeah, that Kickstarter is still currently running, I believe, having launched on the 9th of March. Next up, The Bloom, a liminal horror adventure that was launched for Zine Month. Now, this is something I actually backed myself. It calls itself a tangential follow-up to The Bureau. This is by Josh Domansky. The Bloom. Out away from the big city lies the town of Coldwater. Named after the body of water it borders, Coldwater is a complacent place, and its residents prefer it that way. Thank you very much. Most town folks will greet you with a smile, but asking about the incidents from about a year back will get you met with cold stares and abruptly shut doors. But here's the thing. Folks have started disappearing again, and this time it's out-of-towners. This game poses the question, what if Twin Peaks had a Last of Us arc? What is the bloom? The Bloom is a sandbox adventure for liminal horror. Something sinister is creeping beneath the town of Coldwater. Campers have gone missing, but the townsfolk won't say a word, and the authorities are less than helpful. Can your team of investigators find out the truth and save the town before it's too late? Now, this is being funded through itch... Well, this was funded through itch, sorry, for Zine Month. And as I say, it's something I backed without hesitation. It might be no surprise to you that Liminal Horror is based on Into the Odd. It's actually a hack of Cairn, which is basically the Into the Odd system with some added bells and whistles. Next, we have another Zenmark project, Splat 4. This is a zine called Splat. This is the fourth instalment entitled Frights, a zine of essays from diverse writers about playing and designing with horror. 
in TTRPGs. It's a little bit of the blurb. Psst, there's a monster under your gaming table. It wants you to know there's so much more to horror than blood and creepy crawlies. It's the fears we've had since we were small, the way our real human bodies navigate the world, and even our darkest desires. Behind everything that scares us is something so deeply human, which is why our lived experiences can be tapped into in engaging ways that make the genre feel thrilling to some and like therapy to others. And when it's personal, protecting our very real identities and bodies and feelings is paramount. In this year's splat scene, we focus on how to safely and meaningfully play with horror in TTRPGs. It includes eight eerily informative essays about the monstrous and the human, history and ritual, as well as safety tools and design. What is Splat? Splat is an annual zine of essays that explore various topics related to TTRPG play and design. Splat 4 is the fifth publication from Summoning Circle Press. Splat 4 features 32 pages of advice and personal stories. Black and white printed zine as a digest size saddle stitched booklet. PDF copies with screen reader support built in. And community copy backing tiers. What else have we got here? Leyline Press launch Horse Girl by Samuel Mui. That's M-U-I. For Zine Quest 2023, a solo TTRPG. Horse Girl is a solo GM-less journaling game based off of Wretched and Alone, in which you will document your surgical and mental transformation into a horse. The game is created by Malaysian TTRPG designer Samuel Mui and explores some challenging topics of dark romance, horror and abusive relationships. Horse Girl is inspired by such lovely films as Tusk, The Human Centipede Trilogy, Boxing Helena and Equus. And I can honestly say I've not seen any of those films. Not entirely sure that I want to. Horse Girl was directly inspired by The Wretched by Chris Bissett and The Wretched and Alone SRD. The game was created using How to Make a Wretched Game by Litzer. Horse Girl was successfully funded and I hope it will eventually be available via Samuel's Itch page, which I will link to in the show notes. Mythic Space. Pete Lacara's Mythic Space is a love letter to sci-fi action games like Halo and Mass Effect, as well as TV shows like Cowboy Bebop, Firefly, Battlestar Galactica and The Expanse. This one is launching on Kickstarter on the 28th of March. Mythic Space combines an evolution of the Forged in the Dark system with a tactical combat system inspired by XCOM and Darkest Dungeons to create fast-paced, explosive adventures in a grungy space opera universe. Mythic Space is a 200-page book available in PDF and print-on-demand through Drive-Thru-RPG a free-flowing narrative system optimised to build tension, a fast-paced and deeply tactical combat system, 
lightweight shipbuilding rules that fulfil the player's fantasy of flying around in their own version of the Millennium Falcon, the Bebop, Serenity or the Rosinante. Procedural mission and planet building tools to make low prep GMing a breeze. Seven enemy factions, each with their own unique units and bosses. So there are some playtest rules which are available for free. I will provide a link to that along with a Kickstarter page which includes a trailer. And there's also a how to play YouTube video. Interesting stuff. Next up, Foundations, a solo fantasy world building game launched for ZineQuest 2023. Foundations is a solo world building game created by Tom Anna in which you create a map and chronicle of a fantasy world through prompts in play. You can then use this world in your fantasy tabletop role playing games or within fiction. Inspired by games such as Microscope, Artifact and Delve, based around storytelling prompts informed by real world history, geography and anthropology to help create worlds which are unpredictable, unique and grounded in the natural world. Foundations utilises a standard deck of cards which you draw from in play. Each card has a prompt which will guide you in crafting your world from its initial geographic formation to the seeding of life, culture and kingdoms. At the end of a single playthrough of the game, you will have a detailed map of your world. You will also have an expansive chronicle of events, culture, history and people built from the decisions and choices you make whilst playing. You can use this world in your tabletop role-playing campaign or as a basis for stories you want to tell within the world. Foundations was created by RPG designer Tom Anna of Big Lizard Games. It has had a successful release on Itch, being downloaded over 3,000 times. You can download the low art original version there. So Leyline Press acted as publisher to support the project. The Kickstarter campaign was designed to fund a 68-page physical release of the game as well as new art and layout for the project. The Geographical Almanac. Here's the blurb. An A to Z of strange and fantastical locations filled with wondrous ideas and inspirations for your next fantasy TTRPG session, player character, NPC or for an entirely new campaign. Each month we publish a new location with our mailing list subscribers receiving each one a full week before its general release. Journey to such places as Aodriel, an astral pirate cove of interplanar pirate ships, Elithia, a fey-cursed doll's house that hungers for fresh souls to devour, Horathia, a ravine of mycelial mists where the dead are returned to life, Nesterepetes, a flying log piloted by talking squirrels, Odonata, a giant dragonfly upon which is perched an unusual trading post, Rust Hollow, a future battlefield of muck and mire somehow dragged into the distant past. 
along with many, many more locations besides. Each location provides rich details of economy and culture, hierarchy and political structure, lodgings and shelter, residents of note, suggested adventure hooks, numerous adventure trinkets and encounter tables, and unique magic items. Our A to Z is for GMs and players alike, a tome through which to wander and lose yourself, finding fruits of inspiration, those whose seeds may be scattered throughout your imagination to help create entirely unique settings and adventures in your games. Drag and drop locations directly into your game or campaign or pick it apart for ideas and inspiration. With our strange and fantastical locations in hand, journey on towards unforgettable adventures that will excite, delight and terrify. Whilst our ever-expanding website is completely free to access and use, we hope to run a Kickstarter in the very near future to publish all 26 locations in a beautiful hardcover book. We've teamed up with a group of international artists as well as an orchestral composer and a dice maker, all hoping to help make this dream of publishing an inspiring and useful source book of strange and fantastical locations a reality. In the meantime, we wish you well in your travels, dear adventurer, and hope that you enjoy exploring our website and that you may be moved and inspired thereafter to write and talk about Albion Absis Geographical Almanac with your audience. There we go. Must investigate further. Next up, Haunting by games developers Dale Blackburn and Peter Graham. Get spooky with friends as you draw and journal the story of a haunted house and its occupants over the years in Haunting, a two-player haunted house TTRPG. It was in the long dark of many vacant years that you were brought into being, not knowing how long you had stood alone before you awoke. You came into this world hungry, empty, resenting the absence of your creator, willing yourself to exist. Your frame now creaks and groans from its long sleep, a body of wood and brick and brooding that lay weathered and ageing throughout the endless seasons. You sit in wait of someone to consume, for someone to take residence, to slowly digest within your walls and grant you the strength to become more than your foundations would allow. You are more than a house. What is Haunting? Haunting is a two-player haunted house RPG by Arcane Atlantis Games. Originally created for the Lost and Found Jam in 2022, the system behind Bucket of Bolts and Artifact, the game has players collaborating to tell the story of a haunted house and its inhabitants over many generations. Zine Month crowdfunding was for a print run of a 36-page A5 zine, staple-bound and printed on recycled paper. Digital copies, including free community copies, are available. Links provided. Links provided. Here's a little bit from the designers. Dal Blackburn. I had a great time making Haunting with Peter. I'm a big fan of Artifact by Mousehole Press, so getting to build something of her own on top of its system was a lot of fun. 
Houses can often have so much character and the idea of a haunted house as a character really appealed to us. For this game, we experimented with being a little bolder in layout than we had been before and Peter did some really great artwork that really gave the game a real mood and tone. I'm really proud of how it turned out and I've had a blast playing it with friends too. I'm really looking forward to seeing people get to play the game for themselves and hear all about their spooky houses. Peter Graham writes, I'm really proud of Haunting. After making a few other games and adventures, it really felt like we brought together our experience and experiments in layout, art, writing and editing to create something surprisingly good. The Lost and Found system is great for making narrative over time games and adding a two-player element really helped to make things creative by bouncing off each other's ideas. It really captures that rule of call or yes and feeling that is what I love most about TTRPGs. I'm excited for the chance to do a print run of the game and for people to finally hold a real life copy in their hands. James Hanna of Faylight Studios writes, The characters we created playing Haunting return to me sometimes, like ghosts of fictitious ghosts. Their stories were funny, horrifying and tragic, and that was just one session. The game provides the structure and prompts you need, yet the rules are simple enough. You can learn them as you go. Interesting. And last but not least, we have Crescent Moon. I received this email from Emma Acosta and I'm just going to read out what she sent me. Hey all, pardon the email, but this is a rather big deal. I just launched a monthly Patreon called Hedge Maze Mail where I mail people micro RPGs, postcards and stickers every six weeks or so. I'll provide a link to that. This first issue is themed around Sam Dunwald's We Three Shall Meet Again an asynchronous journaling game for free players about a coven of witches trying to break the curse that binds them to a single body. It's a story about regret, bodily autonomy and bad roommates with hilarious arcane dressing. A lot of work has gone into making this Patreon page something at the intersection of interesting, valuable and feasible. If you're in a position to donate, please consider doing so and spread the word around. It goes a long way to helping me turn this into something I can keep doing into the future. Thank you, Emma. It's a pleasure to be able to help you out, if indeed I am. Hope that uh, this brings you some backers. Back in episode 178, I took a look at A Groat's Worth of Grotesques by George Edward Patterson III, a very quirky, system agnostic bestiary of unique creatures based on some pretty fantastical public domain illustrations. A very entertaining book and uh, another interesting feature of that book is that it's presented as an in-world artifact. I think it's safe to say that George is a fan of the show because he kindly got in touch with me and sent me a complimentary copy of the PDF 
uh, which I was very grateful to receive. Cut to a year and a half later, and George has created an equally quirky adventure supplement entitled The Honest and Plain Village of Sayo. Again, this is presented as another in-world document, and reading the preface, I immediately knew that I wanted to read it on the show. Now, I haven't had the opportunity to fully digest the Sayo supplement, but I have no doubts it's full of more of the kind of weird and wonderful stuff that I loved so much about his previous book. I will be delving further into this new supplement and I'm sure to let you know how I get on there. But in the meantime, I wanted to share this with you. Preface to the reader. As you are wondering how this adventure supplement came into being, I am compelled to rely the story of a day that I lay suspended in a hammock between two Douglas firs on the banks of the Clackamas River. The wind had failed and a deep calm had succeeded. The hammock rose and fell at the impulse of long undulations. The creaking of the ropes sounded out lazy accompaniment to the motion. All this combined to lull me into a state of indolent repose. My youngest child was seated near the banks of the river, folding some paper in a peculiar way. I'll put these in the water, said Andre, and then lay our bets on them as we choose. But first, let us see if there's anything that can be taken as a finish line. Saying this, he went to the riverside and looked out carefully over the water. There's a dark speck out there. So there is, I said. I wonder what it is. Oh, it's a spar, said Andre. It's one end of it. The rest is underwater. Whatever it is, it will serve well enough as a point towards which the paper boats should run in their eventful race. That's a queer looking thing, said I suddenly. Pull it up, lad. Let's see what it is. It doesn't look to me like a spar. And as I said this, he reached out and grasped at it. I presently aligned from my repose and crowded around the object in eager excitement. It looks like a can of preserved meat, said Andre. It certainly is a can, said I, for it's made of metal. But as to the preserved meat, I have my doubts. The article in question was made of metal and was cylindrical in shape. It was soldered tight and evidently contained something. It was about 18 inches long and 8 wide. The nature of the metal was not easily perceptible, for it was coated in slime. It's some kind of preserved meat, said Andre. Perhaps something good, something from Olympic provisions. They pot all sorts of things now. If it is meat, said I, it'll be rather spoiled by this time. Man alive, look at that slime. It must have been floating for ages. It's my belief, said Andre, that it's part of the provisions laid in by Noah for his long voyage in the ark. So come, let's open it and see what sort of diet the antediluvians had. No, said I, there's something inside, but whatever it is isn't meat. It's odd too. The thing is of foreign make. Evidently, I never saw anything like it before. Upon this, Andre took the cylinder, turned it upside down, shook it smartly, 
then lifted it and pounded it against the rocks. This served to loosen the contents of the mysterious metal cylinder so that they resolved themselves into a package, the sight of which only served to intensify our curiosity. What could it be? Were there treasures inside? Jewels? Or strange coins from far Cathay? The package was made of some coarse kind of felt, bound tight with string cords, which André seized and began to open. There were no jewels, but sheets of something that looked similar to paper, being some kind of vegetable product which was used for the same purpose. The surface was smooth, but the colour was dingy, and the lines of the vegetable fibre were plainly discernible. These sheets were covered with writing in plain English, which began thusly. Dear Sir Madams, I am an Oregonian, and have been carried by a series of incredible events to a land apart from our own, from which escape is impossible as from the grave. I have written this and committed it to the waters, in the hope that the current may bear it within the reach of modern peoples. Oh, unknown friend, whoever you are, I entreat you to let this message be made known to all. The manuscript accompanying this contains an account of my adventure in Oricon, which is not unlike Oregon, from which I came. And yet, you will soon learn, it is as different as chalk and cheese. It's from this small portion of this manuscript that I have made the basis for this book, Sio being the first place visited and described by the nameless author. From what better way to honour their wishes than publish this message in the form of an adventure supplement? How far and wide will this knowledge travel? I did get in touch with George to see if he was happy with me reading that out on the show, which he was. And in fact, he very generously sent me print-on-demand copies of both of his books, which look fantastic. And if you like these supplements, pick up the physical copies because I think they, they come out really well. And I much prefer certainly material like this in print than as a PDF. He also replied with a little backstory in his email, which I'd also like to share with you. As you may know, the in-world preface is a thing I do in all my books. Have you seen my fishing mini-game? That has a fun one too. I must confess, I've yet to look into that. I wanted to riff on the 19th and early 20th century thing where fantasy sci-fi authors used the trope of pretending their books were a journalistic report on strange events. This one is a reworking of the intro to a strange manuscript found in a copper cylinder. The whole adventure has a cans theme as depicted on the cover of the adventure supplement. Cans in Sio have their usual powers of preservation, but turned up to fantasy levels and the quirky ability to travel through worlds per the preface. At the top level, you have me as the author, whose son found a fantasy can while camping, which contains the adventure itself, written by someone from our world, trapped in Oricon, the false mythic version of Oregon. And in that canned adventure, 
you have people popping in and out of another parallel dimension kind of place who are also searching for cans. There is a magical mishap table where there is a chance of a spell leaving the Oricon dimension and coming back canned. There is a can of God flesh artifact, etc, etc. Cans. On top of that, there is the other artifact, which is an Oricon type can. Brackets, they don't have canning technology, so they made a box full of oil with a foreskin in it, which is, of course, based on a real-world relic from our world. Close brackets. And that box, due to its canness, got sucked into the parallel dimension and is lost. Wipes brow. Overall, is my style. <laughs> now, this entertained me so much that I just had to, had to share it with you. Thank you very much, George, for sending me that and also the two physical books. Absolutely wonderful stuff that I urge anybody remotely interested in quirky, weird or whimsical content. These things are well worth picking up. Well, thank you for indulging me. I feel a little bit less backed up now. As for the other topics that I had in mind for this episode, I'm afraid you're going to have to wait till next time. When will that be? I don't know. But there most certainly will be a next time. I don't want to say when exactly, because I don't want to jinx it. But I certainly want to be back in the swing of things sooner rather than later. Hold up. Actually, thinking about it, this is a good way to end things, isn't it? Uh, That may not be the next episode because I've got a little something special that I'm waiting to put out. I was fortunate enough to sit down with Barney Dicker of Loco Ludus and we had a really fun chat about what we've been up to. And uh, we couldn't decide whose podcast feed we should put it out on so we agreed that we would both publish it now you may have already heard that conversation if barney has put it out on his feed but at the time of me recording this i don't have the recording in my possession so as i say it may or may not be my next episode i hope you like a mystery because it'll either be that or me talking about Procedures. Final thoughts. Well, Anchor's gone. I am now podcasting to you via the snappily named Spotify for podcasting. And I feel very dirty. Well, that's about enough from me. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your messages. I really do appreciate those. If you'd like to leave me a message, you can use the messaging function on the Anchor webpage 
There'll be a link to that in the show notes, along with a link to SpeakPipe, which may be more helpful for you. You can always message me via my email address at spencer.freethrall at gmail.com, be that text or audio. You can find me on Twitter at freethrall. There's also a Keep Off the Borderlands Facebook page, and I can be found on Discord, in the Audio Dungeon, and on a few other channels. And if you can figure out how to find me, you know more about how it works than I do. Alternatively, you can find links to all those things over on my card page at freethrall one word dot card with two R's dot co. I'd also like to thank TJ Drennan for all his wonderful music, and it just remains for me to say, take it away, TJ. Warning, if celebrating the sound of dice hitting the table and pondering the meaning of the many acronyms within your player's handbook doesn't cure that burning sensation, please see your doctor.